Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. If you want to improve your communication so that you have more love and less conflicts, download my app today, Keep the Glow, wherever you get your apps. Today, I'm going to talk about how to solve conflicts in a relationship. If you're in a long-term marriage, a long-term relationship, you're going to have conflicts. It's inevitable. And conflicts are so uncomfortable. No one likes to fight. No one likes to be in a conflict. No one likes to be at odds with their partner. Yet, we have conflicts very often. So today, I'm going to go through some steps to help you solve conflicts in your relationship. The first step is identify your areas of brokenness. Brokenness refers to the shortcomings, the growth areas, the weaknesses that you have and your partner has that you both brought into your relationship. We all have these. These areas of brokenness are not created in the relationship, but they can be made worse in the relationship. They're things that we bring into the relationship. So one example might be you get defensive, or maybe you tend to be critical, or maybe you tend to be short-fused. These are all examples of brokenness. So the first step, if you want to figure out a way to solve conflicts in your relationship is you have to identify your brokenness. What are your top three? What are your top three growth areas as a partner? Can you list it? Can you identify what they are? When I do my conferences, the Total Marriage Refresh, I have people raise their hand if they can list off their top three areas of brokenness and no one raises their hand. We don't think about this very often. We don't like to think about this very often. But it's really helpful if you can just identify and list off your top three growth areas as a partner, it's very helpful because then it's going to be easier to reconcile in conflicts because you're going to more readily identify your contribution. Number two is ask your partner what they think. So after you create a list of the three areas of brokenness that you think you have, next, you're going to ask your partner if they would agree or if they would change any of your items. And your partner has the final say of what your areas of brokenness are. So if you think you're a poor listener, but you ask your partner for the top three areas of brokenness that they think you have and they don't list poor listener, then guess what? You're not a poor listener or else they would have said that. And so you can show them your list of what you think your top three are, but they have the final say. And the reason they have the final say is because they're in a more objective position to tell you what your three growth areas are because they see you all the time. They hear you all the time. They watch you all the time. Therefore, what they think your top three areas of brokenness are is what counts. And so defer to their opinion. Don't argue with them or disagree if they have a different opinion on what your growth areas are. Accept their opinion because their opinion is more objective than yours. Now, it's important to do this both directions. So this is not just partner A identifying their areas of brokenness and asking for feedback. It's also partner B. So this is something you both need to do. You both need to be listing out your top three shortcomings as a partner, and then you ask your partner if they would agree or if they would change any of those three. Now, here's step three. Once you have your list of three areas of brokenness and you've asked your partner if they would agree or change any of them, now you have your final list, 
Number three is reflect on the origins. What's made you that way? What's created these shortcomings in you? These growth areas that you have brought into your marriage or you've brought into your relationship. What have you gone through in your past that developed these areas of growth? All of us go through things growing up. We go through trauma, we go through hurts, we get mistreated, and all of those experiences create some scar tissue and we bring that scar tissue with us into our relationships, whether we realize it or not. So one example in my life, an area of growth, a brokenness area that I've had to work on is a tendency to be controlling. Now, if you're high in conscientiousness, that's someone who's organized or task focused, they're punctual, they have a high need for mastery with things being organized in their environment, they're, they have a high level of control. And that's me. I have a high level of conscientiousness, but that can come out as wanting control or being controlling or wanting things my way around the house and with my, our kids. And so that's something I've had to own. I've had to own that I can have a tendency to be a control freak if I'm not careful. So when I started reflecting on the origins of this, there was two different things that popped up for me. One is it runs in my family. So both my mom and my dad tend to be high in obsessive compulsive personality traits. So growing up, my mom was always having me wash the cars and cut the grass and, and clean the bathrooms and everything had to be just right. And my dad, he lives in Texas, in Tyler, Texas. And every time we go visit him, even today, we kick off our shoes and within a few minutes, he's organizing everyone's shoes. So a place for everything and everything in its place. That's how I was raised. So I tend to be very organization focused. But I also realized after reflecting on this longer that there's also a, an emotional origin to this need for control that I've battled in my adulthood. And that came from moments growing up where I was bullied. Maybe you've been bullied and you remember how horrible that can be. I have memories of being bullied. I was always the skinny kid growing up and I got targeted by big muscular jocks at times and I was an easy target. And they would bully me, call me names, pick on me. It didn't happen all the time, but there was definitely seasons, definitely pockets where I got bullied. And I can remember riding my bicycle away from those encounters with tears going down my cheeks, making promises to myself that I will never be powerless again. And what that did without me realizing it is it created a desire for control, a desire to be in charge. And I took that into my marriage. Are you enjoying the episode today, but you want to go even deeper? If so, join my community, Matrimony. Matrimony provides four things. First, you'll gain exclusive access to my deep dive where I unpack the weekly podcast in more detail. Second, you'll gain more access to me because I provide live Q&A once a week to answer all your questions. Third, you'll gain access to my best marriage resources to start building your relationship today. And fourth, you'll gain access to my community so you can learn these skills and tools with other couples. To learn more, click the link in the description. And so it's always helpful to consider the origins. What's made you the way that you are? <clears throat> Maybe you're our poor listener. Maybe you tend to be critical. Maybe you tend to be defensive. Maybe you tend to be self-absorbed. 
what's made you that way? It's interesting to reflect on the origins of your brokenness. We all have them. Number four, after you both have listed off your top three areas of brokenness, put it on a piece of paper. And then you want to look at what are the vicious cycles between my areas of brokenness and your areas of brokenness. You want to draw lines between yours and your partner's. And drawing those lines are going to help you identify your top vicious cycles in your relationship. We all have vicious cycles. Most couples have at least two to three vicious cycles. And those vicious cycles explain the majority of all your conflicts. And so when you have that list in front of you of your top three brokenness areas, your partner's top three brokenness areas, then you draw lines showing how yours interact with your partners, theirs interact with yours. That explains your vicious cycles. That explains the bulk of all of your conflicts. So one example in my marriage, like I mentioned, I can have a tendency to be controlling at times if I'm not careful. My wife can have the tendency to be passive. So growing up, she was raised with a mother who was very overbearing. And the way she learned to cope with that was to be passive and to give in and to be extremely flexible because her mom was extremely strong-willed. That's how she survived. That's how she coped. And she brought that right into our marriage, this tendency to be passive, to not be assertive, to not set limits. And that's come out a lot in our relationship, but also especially in her child rearing of our four kids. And so this has been a vicious cycle that we've had to work on in our marriage. So for example, if I am being too controlling because she's being passive, she interprets my controlling as I want things my way. So she becomes even more passive. The more passive she becomes, the more I feel like I have to take over to do my part and her part. So I become more controlling. The more she sees me being controlling, the more she just gives up and becomes more passive. The more that happens, the more resentful I become because I feel like everything's on my shoulders. So I take over even further. The more I take over, the more she resents that she feels voiceless. It's a vicious cycle. Back and forth, back and forth. What are your vicious cycles? We all have them. And this leads me to number five. Number five is work on your part. When you can identify your three areas of brokenness, that shows you your part to the vicious cycles. So to solve conflicts in a relationship, it comes down to identifying, here's my top three brokenness areas, here's our vicious cycles, and now I need to work on my part. It's so easy in a relationship to get consumed with our partner's part, what they need to improve on, how they need to change. And that might be true, but you have to start with what do you need to change? How do you need to improve? How do you need to get better? That's what you need to start working on. So for example, if I go back to the controlling example, is it wiser for me to highlight my wife being passive and how much she needs to work on not being passive? There's some merit to that, but I need to primarily work on me wanting control. I need to learn when I'm crossing the line and being controlling. I need to learn how to reel that back and allow freedom, allow flexibility and autonomy to my kids and to my partner so that I'm not being controlling. I need to work on me. 
What do you need to work on? What's your growth areas? What's your part to the vicious cycles in your relationship? It might be 5% of that of the vicious cycle. You may be responsible for 30% of that vicious cycle. That's up for you to decide. But the main thing is stop focusing on what your partner needs to change and start focusing on your part and how you're making it worse. That's what you need to change. And that's the only thing you can control. So those are five steps. If you want to have, if you want to solve conflicts in a relationship, those are five steps to get you there. Number one, identify your brokenness, your top three. Number two, ask your partner what they think because their opinion counts most. Number three, reflect on the origins of each of your areas of brokenness. Number four, identify the vicious cycles between yours and your partners. And number five, work on your part. Thank you for listening to the Dr. White Show podcast. For my free resources, be sure to click the link in the description. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. If you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you.